the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He was silent before his accusers. Now, why was he silent? Why didn't he defend himself? He's innocent. He's without sin. He hasn't done anything wrong. Why does he sit silently and not give any answer? Well, he's not dying for his own sins. He's dying for your sins. He's dying for my sins. He's standing in for us as our substitute to atone for what we've done wrong. And so there is no answer he can give for what we've done. If you're human, you've made mistakes. No one's perfect, right? It's easy to put pressure on ourselves to excel in every area of our lives. If you've attempted this, you also know the disappointment of falling short. In today's message, Pastor Dan explains how Jesus never disappoints. He was wrongly accused and put to death in our place. What a gift to know that Jesus is in control and you don't have to strive for perfection in life anymore. His grace covers you every time. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now, we go back to the story of the high priest Annas and Jesus. So you have kind of these parallel stories side by side here. You've got the story of Peter out in the courtyard by the fire, and you've got Jesus inside the palace with the high priest Annas at this point. Verse 19, the high priest Annas then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now, Annas basically says, tell us who you're associated with, give us their names so we can incriminate them, and tell us what you taught so we can incriminate you. That's his first question. Now, just to give you some background here, according to the Jewish law, the judicial law, defendant could not be condemned on the basis of their own testimony alone. A defendant was not required to to testify on their own behalf and incriminate them themselves. Sort of like the pleading the Fifth Amendment, like how we have in our own legal system. What the normal procedure and the normal protocol would be is the high priest would call witnesses to testify against the defendant. And the high priest would have to provide at least two witnesses who can testify against the defendant. That was the duty of the high priest, to bring forth witnesses to testify against Jesus, not question Jesus. That's the protocol. So look at Jesus' answer in verse 20. Jesus knows the protocol here, and in verse 20, he says, 
I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Jesus basically says, hey, everything I taught, I taught publicly in the synagogues and the temple. Therefore, you should have no problem finding witnesses who can testify to what I said. Ask them. You're not supposed to ask me. Ask them. If I said something wrong in my teaching, bring forth thy witnesses and have them present evidence against me as the law requires you to do. Ask them. Don't ask me. That's what you're supposed to do. Verse 22. And when he had said these things, look what it says. One of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do you answer the high priest like that? So without warning, this officer slaps Jesus with the palm of his hand. And this begins the physical abuse of Jesus. This physical abuse that he will experience that will end with his crucifixion. We don't know this guy's name. He's not, we're not told. That this is the guy that begins the abuse that night and reaches over and slaps him across the face. Now again, I said early on that much of this trial was illegal. In, in their judicial law, you were not allowed to physically harm a person that was on trial, a defendant, much again like our laws. But they're not so concerned about the legalities of this. They want to kill him. They've already made their decision. They're not concerned about observing the laws here. And so this guy reaches over and smacks him across the face. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? If I said something wrong, tell me. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Justify your actions. Again, he, he, he is appealing to their conscience. He's appealing to them to obey the law. He's exposing that their actions are illegal. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So this ends the first of the three religious trials. The first one's before Annas. The second one is before Caiaphas. Annas sends him to Caiaphas. Now, the palace of Annas and the palace of Caiaphas were side by side. They had a courtyard in the middle and between them. And Peter is, is probably in that courtyard in between the two palaces. So when it says he sends him to Caiaphas, he's just sending him across the courtyard to the other house. Now, we want to turn over to Matthew 26 so we can see this portion of the trial, the trial before Caiaphas. Matthew 26, Matthew 26, verse 57. And those who laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. Look what it says, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Now that's speaking of the Sanhedrin. That's a ruling authority over Judaism. So the members of the Sanhedrin have also gathered at the palace of Caiaphas. Archaeologists have uncovered in Jerusalem what they believe to be 
the palace of Caiaphas, and there is a great hall inside the building where they could have held this this impromptu court trial. And and again, the, the Sanhedrin, they were kind of like the supreme court over the Jewish people. They were made up of 71 members. Uh, They had uh, almost an equal split of Sadducees and Pharisees. Uh, They required a minimum of 23 members to be present at a trial. We don't know how many were here that night at the house of Caiaphas for this trial. Uh, Now look at verse 59. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council, that's the Sanhedrin, sought, look what it says, false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. They're looking for false testimony. These are the religious leaders. This is, the, you know, this is their supreme court. They're actively looking for false testimony. They could not find honest testimony to condemn Jesus. So now they're cer- searching for false testimony. And the funny thing is they couldn't find two false witnesses who had the same story. They couldn't find two liars who had the same lie about Jesus. Verse 60 says, but they found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. That was back in John chapter 2. Verse 62, and the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you, but Jesus kept silent. Jesus kept silent. So there's all these false witnesses coming in, giving false testimony. This is a legal proceeding. This isn't just some kind of conversation happening. He's on trial here. And the religious leaders are bringing in all these false witnesses that are making up stories about Jesus, and Jesus is silent through the whole thing. He doesn't give it a a defense. He doesn't say, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not what I said. That's not what happened. He sits there silently, so much so that the high priest says to him, you know, are you going to answer nothing to all of these accusations? And he just kept silent. He was silent before his accusers. You know, back in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was silent before his accusers. Now, why was he silent? Why didn't he defend himself? He's innocent. He's without sin. He hasn't done anything wrong. Why does he sit silently and not give any answer? Well, he's not dying for his own sins. He's dying for your sins. He's dying for my sins. He's standing in for us as our substitute to atone for what we've done wrong. And so there is no answer he can give for what we've done. There is no excuse. There is no defense for us. So it goes on in verse 63. Now look what happens in verse 63. Jesus kept silent. The high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Of God, When he puts him under oath, that means Jesus now is legally obligated to answer the question truthfully. So Jesus does. In verse 64, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power of God and coming on the clouds 
of heaven. Jesus clearly declares he's the Messiah here. He answers referencing Psalm 110 verse 1 and Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. Both of those are messianic passages. He declares he will sit on the right hand of God in heaven, the place of honor, and he will come again to the earth in power and glory. And he says, look what he says. He says, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, and you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Where those religious leaders are, they can see into heaven. Which tells us that people in hell can see into heaven. And people in hell will see the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes back in glory and power. Which to me, I would think that would make hell even more hellish to be able to see into heaven while you're suffering and torment in hell. So verse 65, look what it says now, verse 65, very dramatic, verse 65. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy. Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. With great theatrics here, the high priest tore his clothes, which, by the way, is against the law of Moses. The high priest was never supposed to tear his clothes. And then he says, I love this, he says, we don't need witnesses, which is a good thing because they don't have any witnesses. He says, we don't need witnesses. He says, he has spoken blasphemy. And they, they want to convict him based on his own testimony, which they're not allowed to do. Then he says to the Sanhedrin that's gathered there in his house, what do you think? And they answered and said, he is deserving of death. They, they all voted in unison here that Jesus should be put to death. Now, again, I've mentioned before this trial was illegal for several reasons, and I just want to list a few of them for you. Just again, according to their own laws, uh, according to their own laws, their own legal statutes, here's just some of the reasons why this was illegal. First of all, a trial, according to their laws, a trial can never be held at night. It must be held during the daytime. It must be during the daytime. They could not hold a trial on the eve of a Sabbath day or on a feast day. Just like our courts are closed on weekends and holidays, right? Closed on Christmas Day. Well, this is Passover. They're not supposed to have a trial on Passover. According to their law, trials must be held in the Hall of Judgment, which is in the temple. That's like their their Supreme Court building. That's where they met. That's where they held their trials. Not in a private home. They're meeting in the home of Caiaphas. Uh, As I mentioned before, according to their law, a person could not be condemned on their own testimony Alone, at least two witnesses were required, but they're going to condemn him on his own testimony because he claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. According to their law, the Sanhedrin were required to wait at least 24 hours between hearing a case and giving a verdict of guilty or innocent. After giving the, a guilty verdict, the Sanhedrin were required to wait another three days before giving a death sentence. And here we see the Sanhedrin, they hear the trial, And they immediately give a sentence, all in the same night. According to their law, the Sanhedrin members were supposed to cast their vote one by one when sentencing a person to death. As this reads, it seems they all voted together in unison at one time. The whole thing's a sham. 
The whole thing's just a setup. They're just looking for any excuse to kill Jesus. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. So now verse 67, then look what it says. Then they, they spat in his face. They spit in his face. Man, can there be anything more humiliating and enraging if someone spit in your face? Remember, when they, they reviled him, he, he did not revile in return. They threatened him. He didn't threaten in return. They spit in his face, and they beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? The other Gospels tell us that they, they, they blindfolded him. They began to slap him and punch him and mock him and ridicule him. Now again, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. These are the religious leaders. This isn't a gang of thugs. It's the religious leaders. The leaders of the nation. And they've gathered around him now. They're spitting in his face. They're punching him, slapping him, mocking him. Now, from Caiaphas' house, we go to the third trial before the religious authorities. And this... This third trial, this becomes the official trial. This is, you know, this is the one that you know, checks the legal boxes now. Uh, go with me over to Luke 22. As I mentioned before, the, their laws required that a trial be held during the daytime, not at night, and it must take place in the hall of judgment in the temple. That's where the Sanhedrin met. That's where they held their trials. And so now the Sanhedrin will do that, but just as a formality. So Luke 22, verse 66, it says, and as soon as it was day, they've got to have that trial during the daytime for it to be legitimate. So as soon as it was day, at daybreak, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, came together and led him into their council. So now they take him into the hall of judgment at the temple. As soon as it was day, because they got to do it during the daylight hours. So as soon as it was day, 
The Sanhedrin assembles, they bring Jesus into their, their council, into the hall of judgment, and they condemn him formally. Verse 67, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, they all said, they didn't vote one by one. Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You're rightly, you rightly say that I am. There's that Old Testament name for God. And they said, well, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him away to Pilate. Just a formality, right? Just, you know, five minutes. We just got to ask him a couple questions and then we can officially condemn him. And then we can take him to Pilate. Now, go back to John chapter 18 and we'll wrap this up together. John chapter 18. Back in John chapter 18, verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself by the fire in the courtyard. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, look what it says, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Which I'm sure Peter thought, oh no. This guy recognizes me from the garden. Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Right? But there's no roosters in Jerusalem. It was that day. Peter denied the Lord, the rooster crowed. Luke's gospel tells us Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter will be restored. Jesus will seek out Peter after the resurrection, Peter in particular, to restore him. He will tell the women the morning of the resurrection, go tell the disciples, I'll meet them in Galilee. And make sure you tell Peter. And if you remember the story, Peter goes back to his old life of fishing. And Jesus comes and finds Peter in his old life. And it's there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee early in the morning that Jesus restores Peter. And here's here's the great thing. Here's the great thing for us. When we sin, not if we sin, but when we sin, when we blow it, when we fail, when we deny the Lord, He will restore us. And it doesn't matter how many times we fail. It doesn't matter how many times we deny the Lord. It doesn't matter how many times we go somewhere where we shouldn't go and be around people we shouldn't be around and do things we're not supposed to do. And we end up denying the Lord. He will restore us. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. All we have to do is confess, acknowledge to Him, our sins, and He promises He will forgive us and cleanse us and restore us. Just as He will do with Peter. And from there, from the hall of judgment in the temple, verse 28, they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early in the morning. So now we go to the Romans. 
for the civil trial, which we'll look at next time. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan today to study the Gospel of John. This book articulates Jesus' life in a unique and powerful way, revealing Christ's deity throughout its pages. John paints a picture of the King of Kings by also showing how he could take the sins of the world with him to the cross. Today, you can have your sins forgiven by Jesus by this death that he already endured. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, though. He rose. He lives now. And he wants a relationship with you. Would you like to know more? Give us a call. We'd be happy to share the joy and freedom waiting for you in Christ. Call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us at Calvary Chapel. We'll gather this Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. You'll also find more of Pastor Dan's messages at our website. Again, that's calvaryec.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more from the Gospel of John right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.